the Shaq Master! Right. The Shaq Master! <laughs> I told you. Oh, God. You just gotta keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. It's showtime. Hello everyone and welcome once again to P3 Radio. I am Richard Mulliken, joined by my co-host and best friend Josh Briley. Say hey Josh. Hey everybody, how's it going? Well, today we have a big show planned for you. We're going to talk about a bunch of things, but we're going to have on the show Dustin Starr. He is everywhere around the Mid-South area. He's going to be on in a minute, but first we're going to have a commercial from who, Josh? Maximum Health and Fitness. Ah, I got two months to lose all this weight for my high school reunion. Two months? What are you going to do? I have no idea. Well, I'll tell you what you should do. You should go down to 51 South Creek Drive and see Matt Hoover and all the guys at Maximum Health and Fitness. They're going to whip you into shape and help you reach your maximum potential. I don't have time to work out. I mean, I don't want to get signed up in something and it not be for me. Don't worry about that. You mentioned this podcast, P3 Radio, and they're going to throw you a free trial membership. 51 South Creek Drive? 51 South Creek Drive off the South Highland right next to Los Fortales. I'm telling you, they're going to help you reach your maximum fitness goals and get you into shape for your high school reunion. Well, thanks. I'm going to go see Matt and the guys at Maximum Health and Fitness. Maximum Health and Fitness. 51 South Creek Drive, Jackson, Tennessee. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us right now, he is the co-host of CW30 Stars. He is the Memphis Grizzlies MC. He is a two-time Mr. Tennessee Physique. He is formerly a WWE developmental talent. He is also a radio personality, a dad, and Maria Studmuffin. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the radio show, Dustin Starr. What's up, guys? Hey, the most important part of that was Maria Studmuffin. Yes. Was it a pretty just read off your whole Twitter? Um... <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's what that might be. <laughs> Man, Josh, Dustin was one of those guys that, uh, I, I mean, this is going to sound like I'm totally kissing up to him, but just bear with me. Dustin was one he of those is, guys that, yeah. <laughs> Dustin was one of those guys that I could go to and ask, hey, honest opinion what's this honest opinion what's that and he would tell me you know you don't need to go back there you need to do this you need to stick with that you need and uh when i broke my leg uh when i broke my leg 10 years ago dustin was one of the only ones that called me and it was like every Isn't weekend. crazy yeah every Isn't that weekend. crazy man so i've always been appreciative to that man like like i said you were one of the only boys from back then that called me every weekend you'd be driving home and it'd be like, hey, this is what you missed, and this is what you should do, and how you how you feeling. Um, There's a few others, but like I said, it always meant a lot to me that you did that, man. And I want to say thanks. Yeah, man, no problem. It's it's we're all um, you know in wrestling, as you know, especially on the independents. Well, I hate to say especially on independents because I guess if you're in WWE and you're traveling with the same people and working with the same people over and over, it's it's really the wrestling business. I mean, you know, looking after the boys and. Right. Um, motivating and helping and just you know making sure you're there for for your guys and we worked a lot together in the past so yeah it was that was a big deal when you were out because i could only imagine sitting on the sidelines and watching and not being able to do anything it would drive me nuts it, it was frustrating because we were <laughs> we were just starting an angle and that's when all injuries happen by the way it's just when you're starting an angle that you're kind of excited about 
My first memory of you, by the way, and we'll get into all of what you're doing now. It's hard to turn around in Memphis without seeing Dustin Starr right now, or just about well, anywhere thanks, around man. this area. Um, so we'll get into what you're doing later, but my first impression of you, I didn't know you from anyone. I was three matches in the business. You were part of my first tag team match ever. Do you remember that you, at all? Did you hate me before you ever met me? No, no, I actually didn't. You were, t- you were usually, t- usually, um, usually, you know, I, I get the old, you know, they don't like me before they ever meet me just because of the gimmick or look or, but yeah, I think I do. It was a, a match at one of the schools. Yes. Yeah. What, one of my favorite things to do is go to a school that kind of lets the kids out, you know, to come to the gymnasium, they pay two or three bucks and man, there's 500 screaming crazy kids there and it was the beale street posse me and yeah simon reed uh, against uh against you and um and miles and i remember that not me and miles was was it that Miles? no 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 so my teammate at the time was a guy that i actually went to school with and grew up around but it wasn't i remember he was a little guy and i feel like you might be remembering the school wrong too because i remember reggie b this was his school yeah and i remember he was apologizing profusely about only like ten kids wanted to pay to get out of school, <laughs> so they well, had King and somebody went on first, and then they were like, "Well, uh, nobody else wants to go out." So it was King and Co- uh, King and Reggie, <laughs> King and Reggie. Nobody wants to go out. Kevin, you got some students here. Yeah, let's. We're gonna put the tag match on. All right, let's throw them out there. So you have me in this big black mask. Uh, I'm wrestling as Max. The masked man, Max. Oh, my gosh. And I don't know what Seth's gimmick was at the time, but he had this big gold mask on and red tights. Uh, I remember it. You know, I guess I'm just so used to you and Miles tagging up because, you know, we, we work together. We right. tagged against each other, and um, it was just – that's just you and you – and, it was always you and Miles. I guess I forget that first. But I remember that. I remember that school show for sure. It's funniest thing about that school show that I remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, the crowd wasn't into it. They didn't believe us as heels, you know, whatever. Something happened, and we had to start the heat earlier than expected. And you take a knee from me in the back. Like, you hit the ropes. You tell me, knee me when I come back. So I hit you with a knee. You're stumbling back towards Seth, and he looks at you. And y'all look at each other for, like, two seconds. It felt like an eternity. <laughs> and, like, you're just sitting there looking at him like, what in the – what are you doing? Please hit me. Yeah, please, please do something. Me. Just do something. God, I'm begging you. And he grabs you in a side headlock takeover. <laughs> the dreaded side headlock takeover. I remember takeover. looking at you, and, like, there's ten people here. No one cares. And four of them have already left because of the side headlock. And Bill Rush was our referee, and you are, like, belly laughing – Hey, that's easy heat. It's an yeah, easy day yeah. if you get the heat and you get a side headlock. Hey, I'm all for that, brother. <laughs> <laughs> What's some of your favorite moments or angles from watching Memphis wrestling growing up? Oh man, and it's you had to ask me that question, especially over the, you know the last week we we lost Lance Russell, the voice of Memphis wrestling, and um, I've here you know I went to the memorial, I went to the. Um, to the get together at King Lawler's Hall of Fame Bar and Grill, and I've, you know, talked to Doug Gilbert and Bill Dundee and Lance Russell's family and the King himself and Randy Hales, and just have kind of talked to everybody. And man, it's really hard just to pin down one exact moment. But I know that my family always took a vacation in the summertime, and um, one of the things that, that me and not only me, but I've got three sisters. 
we would all ask my parents, hey, be sure to record Memphis Wrestling because when we get back, we want to watch it. And no matter what was going on, no matter who was the, the heel, the baby face, or you know, what have you, we would always binge watch Memphis Wrestling when we got back from vacation that summer. So we never missed anything. I mean, from Lawler versus Dundee, those matches were always good, to Reggie being the Kentucky Fried, uh, what was it, Unifried Heavyweight Champion. <laughs> I mean, you name it. PG-13 was hot at one point, and I remember that I was on one of the music videos uh, just in the crowd. And, uh, you know, I was actually there um, on May 9th, 1988, when Jerry the King Lawler defeated Kurt Henning for the AWA Unified Heavyweight Championship at Mid-South Coliseum. Man, I saw it all. Wow. And growing up in Memphis and being a fan and knowing, like, that's what I want to do. Like, I practice promos in my mirror talking to Dave Brown and Lance Russell. I mean, that's how bad I had it as far as I was going to be a pro wrestler. So nothing really got got past us. I mean, uh, I liked it all. One, one of my best memories, I guess, growing up and being at the Mid-South Coliseum, and I've, I've told this story before. You guys have probably heard it. But I remember it was Lawler versus Dundee in the main event that night, and I just so happened to have a superstar. Or actually, I had a Jerry Lawler shirt on. It hung down to my knees. I think it was like my dad's. But I was pulling for Lawler. I had to wear Lawler gear. <laughs> and um, out on the concourse of the Coliseum, we ran into superstar Bill Dundee. And he walks up and he goes, boy, where the hell did you get that shirt from? And I remember just being nervous standing there with Bill. And I looked at my parents. I'm like, oh, no, I'm in trouble because I'm wearing a Lawler shirt. <laughs> Bill's asking me about it, you know. But, uh, man, I watched, I watched religiously all the time. And that's. That's why I became a pro wrestler is just growing up watching it in Memphis. And there's so many great angles, man. I mean, Eddie Gilbert running over Jerry Lawler in the parking lot. I mean, how do you beat that? That was, that just, was big Yeah, back in the time. Yeah, there Everybody were was talking so about. many good ones. Dude, I watched yeah. that recently. How did he not well, die? Well, the thing about it was, well, but even before the internet, it was almost like everybody was talking about it. I mean, I remember, right. you know, even Pro Wrestling Illustrated, they made a, a huge thing out of it. Yeah, if you, you talk to Lawler about it even today, he'll tell you that he, he can pretty much predict when it's going to rain because of how his hip feels. You know, he still has problems with his hip just because of that bump where he got hit with the car by Eddie Gilbert and Doug in the, uh, the passenger side. So, did, so that uh, stuff, man, is did awesome. Dundee, did Dundee let you off the hook? <laughs> I don't remember the finish to that story. I don't remember the, but apparently he held it against me because we're still fighting about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I gotta, I gotta say that I love Bill. Bill was actually one of the guys that started me in uh, wrestling business. If he's listening, which I doubt, uh, he probably don't even remember who I am. But uh, Bill, I love, I love Bill. So, uh, but no, there's sometimes you'll get the good Bill. Uh, the one that comes in that's like, hey, brother, what's we're doing now, brother? Well, we're going yeah. to do this, bro. And then sometimes you'll get the bill that comes in, and it's like, it's 6.55, <laughs> brother. It's 6.55. The show says we're going to start at 7, and you're not even got the card up, brother. And it's like, That's actually not a, bad, not a bad uh, impersonation there, actually. <laughs> no, no. It's just like just being around him, like, you never knew which one you were going to get, but you understood it. Like, you understood, you know, where he was coming from both sides. It's like... They don't have a card. They don't have anything. They're supposed to go yeah. on. He's main event. He knows that his night's not going to end until you you get that show going. And it's already 7 o'clock. He knows it's going to be at least 9, 9.30 before he's able to leave. And so you, you yeah. get it from side. But I always well, like Well, and um, 
hey man, Superstar knows his stuff. Oh, I mean, yeah. you can you, whatever you say about him, you need to listen to what he says. Oh, uh, any anybody that's out there listening that sees Bill and kind of thinks he's uh, one of those those bitter old guys. I mean, honestly, you could learn more from Bill just sitting down with him for five minutes than you could being in the ring with most guys. Right. And you know, we worked uh, some storylines and some stuff with Bill over probably the last three or four years now. Me and uh, my Maria. He's actually become good friends of the family. Uh, you know, Brady. Brady interacts with him too, my nine-year-old son. But uh, he still has a vendetta against us, so we've got some more matches coming up. And um, you know, I, I like I like being around Bill, but I also like beating Bill Dundee up. So right, and at this we're point, gonna it's... we're gonna continue to beat him up as long as he comes around for it. <laughs> right. But you know, the funny thing about Bill is I've been in the ring with him before. Like even when I was training and. One of my favorite stories when I was first training, you know, uh, he's he's telling me, he's like, all right, you're, you're going to hit the ropes, brother, and then you're going to come back. You're going to give me a shoulder tackle. I'm not going to take the bump. I took the bump for 25 years, brother. And then what you're going to do. <laughs> but I always loved working Bill because it was so easy. It was so easy to yeah. work Bill. And the whole time you're sitting there, you're going, I bet this just looks horrible. I bet it looks horrible. And then you watch it back. And everything looks like it's not as slow as you remember it. It's really quick, actually. And the punches, good, everything man. looks great. And, you know, you're, you're sitting there and you're like, how does this guy not have a job in, in, in a big promotion like coaching young guys? How does he not? He's got a great mind for the business. Yeah. Is it? Is it? Heat? Well, I can tell you. I tell you one thing. He he coached. He coached me. He coached. Uh, he coached me through this. I mean, honestly, just working with him, you can't help but to learn from him. And. Um, you know, each time I work with Bill, I become more aggressive. Uh, we beat him up in the parking lot of his radio station one time uh, when he was doing his radio show. You just had some beef with him. Yeah, no, no, it, it was part of a story we were doing. But <laughs> no, man, I, know, I tell just, you, yeah, I know, I know. But honestly, it was like you were in a struggle for your life. Oh, I mean, yeah. Bill is a tough dude. I mean, he oh, he'll knock God. you out. Oh yeah, he will knock you out. So he's still just as tough now as I imagine he was, you know, in his heyday. Do you think a lot of that come from him being like always kind of undersized? He was always tough. Do you, but do you think maybe it come from growing up on that circus um, circuit, going up on the Memphis circuit, the Bill Watts days where you had to fight and be legitimate? And he was kind of a smaller guy, so he knew he had to he had to be tough. He had to mix it up with the the bigger guys and definitely yeah. lay it in. So maybe that's where that comes from. Well, for sure, a long time ago, um, I was probably 15 years old when I first met Bill, and Randy had him get in the ring with me. Randy Hales, that is. He had him get in the ring with me, and we just kind of worked out a little bit. He, Like you said, he didn't take any bumps. He took them for 25 years. Um, <laughs> but he would tell me. He said, hey, being an undersized guy, you got to protect yourself more. Right. Believe me, these guys don't want to go. And you know what? If they try to get you something, do something that you don't want to do, knock them out. They don't want to go. He basically told me, sit down and don't do it if you don't want to do it. And if they want to do it, then make them do it for real. And uh, you know what that means. Nobody wants to do it for real. So, right. yeah, Bill, Bill had a chip on his shoulder. He might have been undersized, but he was just as wide as he was tall, and he always stood his ground. And I can tell you right now, if you talk some smack to Bill Dundee in a locker room at 72 or whatever age he is, he's going to kick your ass. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, and I tell he you, just is. you, you speak Bottom of that. Line. You speak of that whole, you know, if you don't want to do it, don't do it type mentality. Um, after every wrestling session, or somewhere in that wrestling session in, in training camp when he was there, it was always like, all right, now let me show you a shoot hole in case somebody doesn't want to do business. <laughs> right. It was like, oh, yeah, we're he, doing this. 
he sat down. He sat down on me and said, "Try to pick me up." I couldn't have, obviously. Right. And he's he's just he just that was his way of telling me that look, being a smaller guy, you got to protect yourself. You don't have to do what you don't want to do. And if they want to still do it, make them go because right. they don't want to go for real. So that yeah he. And I know that seems very simple. I mean, very simplistic, but it's it's the honest truth. I mean, it's just how you protect yourself in the business. And sometimes, sometimes you have to have that chip on your shoulder. I walk around with a chip on my shoulder now. I know you know that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you have to. You have to in this business. I mean, it's one of those things. If you don't believe in yourself, then no one else is going to believe in you either. So. Exactly. Well, exactly. they can. People can see that when when right. you, when you don't, then they know. The first time I recall seeing you was you and scott as the the lifeguards yeah how did you go about coming up with that gimmick well honestly we went you know i was doing some work in nashville uh tna was doing their weekly pay-per-views out there i believe and there was just a you know the booker out there needed a gimmick uh, he wanted to do a lifeguard deal and um he kind of set it up actually at first it was me and i believe adam evans and they put uh, April Pennington with us, so we're kind of like uh, kind of like the lifeguards, but actually kind of surfer dudes, almost like Baywatch type of thing, you know. And um, they kind of just transitioned. They gave me a couple of different partners out in Nashville, but the, by, by the time it reached Memphis TV, it ended up being me and uh, Brad Martin, which is Simon Reed, who was my original partner with the Beale Street Posse, and then it turned into Scott Starr, who's my cousin. And I'll actually see Scott coming up on November 11th and 12th out in Slidell, which is uh, Gulf Coast. They're doing a big Harley-Davidson bike rally out there, so we're booked booked out there in New Orleans. But, um, yeah, me and Scott just seem to have a very similar look, good style. I don't want to say that we stole the gimmick, but the gimmick from Nashville that was handed over to us, we brought it to Memphis and, and we worked it. And a little inside story, when me and Scott star started doing the lifeguards, they had been building us up for this big event downtown where they were going to bring the Beach Boys to come and play us to the ring. And, uh, that's awesome. I mean, Except Brian that's Wilson like a, wouldn't have any clue this was going on, right? It, nobody had any clue that it was going on. Oh. I mean, apparently, they were trying to get the Beach Boys to, to be with the lifeguards and, and play us to the ring and all that kind of stuff. It that's never awesome. panned out, but it was still, you know, still a fun idea. And, uh, we had a good little run there in in Memphis with the lifeguard deal. You know, I had to put the paint on my nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the sunscreen. I, I actually look. had several different lifeguard partners too. It just it was a good fun gimmick, but it never seemed to really kind of stick for us. You know, what would have been great is like you get a new character, you get a new partner, and the first week you come out like obviously grieving your old partner who drowned. <laughs> that could be he drowned, the yeah. gimmick every time. I wasn't yeah, able to save him. Oh man, there was. At one point, it was me and Scott Starr, me and uh, Brad Martin, me and Shane Williams, King Shane Williams out in Nashville. We actually tagged as a lifeguard. Adam Evans tagged as a lifeguard. Uh, so it just seemed like they were able to plug anybody in there with me. I think that's when you kind of know that that gimmick's not going to stick. I mean, you can't be switching right. partners every other week. <laughs> yeah, the only time that ever works is on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air with the mothers, right? You can switch you one go. out, yeah, but and you can forget one kid on Family Matters, but when you start forgetting more than one, 
so many Aunt Vivs, and yeah. that's it. You can only get two. You get two Aunt Vivs. You can't switch out a main character like Urkel. So, I mean, that's that's the way it goes. Hey, man, uh, here's a question. So, uh, when me and Miles were trying to go somewhere other than that, that horrible place that we were wrestling at at the time, uh, I was sending out some feelers, and I think I hit you up. And I, I think my actual quote in the email was, Hey, man, I don't know if you remember him or not, but we had this horrible match in Memphis at Reggie B School. Where can I go? <laughs> and you sit back, you know, hey, get a hold of Derek. Get a hold of Derek King. He runs Ripley right now. We're, I'm right there. I'll try to help you out, give you a good word. Now, I was always appreciative of that because the only time you'd ever seen me was at Kevin's shows. And the match that we had was the only time that you'd been in the ring with me. And I was like, well, that's not going to win me any jobs. Uh, but as soon as we were brought in, uh, we were put with you. Now, whose call was that? Was that you or Derek? I have no idea. I wow. think, actually... If I'm, if I'm, man, I just have to think, think back. I mean, things happen so fast, you know, that Memphis TV was going and we were trying to come up with fresh ideas. And that was, that was Ripley, Tennessee that you're talking yes. about, right? Yes. Yeah. So especially Ripley, cause we were drawing really good there. We actually packed out one of the, the ballparks out there that mm -hmm. they had. So yes. it was just, it was probably a three or four year tenure where we did really good in Ripley, Tennessee. And, um, you guys were a couple of big dudes. As you know, I'm a cocky, conceited son of a gun. And so it was probably one of those situations where I went to Derek and said, hey, man, look, we got these guys. Let's do something with them. We can do this. We can do that. And then just ideas happen. And, of course, Derek is a big HBK fan. Right. Shawn Michaels. So when, I, when, you, when you talk about bodyguards and – you know, watching somebody's back and all that kind of stuff, you automatically go to like Sean and Diesel or Sean and Sid. And so it was just a way to kind of bring you guys in and make you strong and put you with, with me, who was, was pretty much the top heel in the company, you know? And um, if there was a situation I couldn't handle on my own, then I had my back up there to help me. And we just had a lot of fun out there doing that and doing promos and matches and everything else. That was that was actually a lot of fun. That was a real fun time in the wrestling business. But, and here's, here's the you know, thing it's about just, just your buddies coming up with ideas, man. Right. That's what that was about. And here's the thing about Ripley. Right. I tell you, man, that the crowds in Ripley and the writing of the shows, if the shows were on at the exact same time, I dare say that those Ripley shows would probably outdraw in ratings than those Memphis shows. I remember there was a time where we really felt like that. We felt like that the show we were doing in Ripley was stronger than the one that we actually put on TV in Memphis. But as you know, that wasn't something that was up to us. So a lot of times you just try to work the best you can. And if you get somebody's ear, you try to share what it is that you're doing and hope that they like it and put it on their TV. So it was one of those interesting times where, where in Ripley they were trying to get a little local TV there, but then also we were in TV in Memphis. So it kind of you and also the weird thing is you weren't necessarily the same character because I was a babyface. I was a good guy on Memphis wrestling. They never saw me as a bad guy. Never, uh, you know, was able to experience five star the way that I do it now, or even the way that I did it in Ripley there. Right. Uh, but then in Ripley, we were mean, nasty heels. So you had two totally different characters that you're playing. And a lot of times you played them on the same day. Right. On live TV that morning. And then live in Ripley that night, you were two totally different characters. It was interesting. Right. And it was always funny because we, we were the guys in suits in the morning. 
and we were the guys that were right. just, you know, wrestling guys that were standing next to you that were just big guys at the end. Uh, we're hey, the I'll greatest. tell you what, though. We beat up a lot of people. Oh, God, We yeah. beat up a lot of people together in Ripley. We yeah. had a lot of fun. And here's the greatest thing about Ripley, and I was telling uh, Josh about this a couple weeks ago. We had this angle. You had a Loser Leaves Town match with Chris O'Neill, uh, who was part of Picture Perfect at the time. You had a Loser Leaves Town, I think it was a barbed wire match. Who? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it was a barbed wire match. I never, I will never ever forget that barbed wire match as long as I live. Because <laughs> I think y'all didn't know that you were in a barbed wire match the week before, right? Like it was like next week in a barbed wire match, Chris O'Neill versus Dustin Starr. And I think I remember well, we Chris could... O'Neill saying, "What?" <laughs> yeah, we we could pull the curtain back a little bit on that. So so when when they came to me with the idea of a barbed wire match, I said, all right, guys, you do whatever you want, but I can tell you one thing, I'm not touching that barbed wire. And so then they thought that it was almost like a punishment where, okay, well, if Dustin doesn't want to do that, we'll put him in the match anyway and then see what he does. So it's almost like in the wrestling business, it's like a dare. You know, okay, you don't want to do it? We'll make you do it and let's see. The people would boo. I think they thought that people would boo. And the people did not boo right. because the whole time we worked really hard. We had a really good match. Did we roll around and get tangled up and tore up in the barbed wire? Probably not as much as what people thought, but that's what they paid to see is maybe somebody was going to get mangled in that barbed wire. We were brought in right after that. So, you know, you bring us like you, you've got us as your, your bodyguard basically. And we're, we're beating up everybody on the roster. And the first week it's everybody first week we're doing it. We do it, no problem. Second week we're doing it, there's this music that starts playing. Shot through the heart. Um, oh, gosh. And then crowd goes crazy. Crowd goes crazy. He never comes out. Next week we do it again. We're beating up the, the guys. Shot through the heart. And you're to, and, oh, <laughs> here he comes. We, we, you know, we stop. We look around. We're, we're, you know, he never comes out. Third week plays the music. We stop for like maybe two seconds. Keep beating him up. The last week, the fourth week, they play the music. We don't even turn around. We don't even sell it. And all of a sudden, you just hear that Ripley crowd, which was packed yeah. to the rafters, hot as the devil's balls in that little arena, and You're humid, not lying. humid as the devil's taint <laughs> in, in, in wool pants. Um, and all of a sudden, you just hear the air get sucked out of there. And this guy who Memphis Wrestling is pushing as just a, another tag team wrestler comes out to Ripley yeah. to the biggest response I've ever heard, who hasn't been there in over a month, six weeks, seven weeks. Yeah. We haven't even seen him there. Um, he comes out, and that crowd blows up. The roof comes off. He comes in. He knocks all three of us down. He clears the ring, grabs a chair. People are cheering. And it led into a huge angle with us. And it was like, that was going back into what I was saying. The booking for the time was just astronomically better. And they could take guys like that that had a good look and put them in a position that it was just mind-blowing how much they could get them over in Ripley, Tennessee. Well, let me ask you oh, this: man. Was that was that yeah. like a collective thing with the booking, or was that just one person? Now, in Memphis, Dustin could probably back me up on this. Depending on what week you were there, uh, right? Things could go completely different. There were there were some fun things, man, that we did out in Ripley. We had a lot of fun at the TV too. I don't want anybody to think that we didn't have fun on the TV show because we did. 
But out in Ripley, man, you were able to really just do do your stuff. I remember that me and Stan uh, in the main event one night had a strip poker contest. We literally <laughs> played poker in the center of the ring, and that was the main event. And at the end, of course, there was a big schmoz where you know I got bumped around and all that kind of stuff. But that was the main event of the show, and we had a lot of fun there. I remember. And i got to bring up Flash Flame again if we're talking about uh, Ripley, <laughs> Tennessee. I, okay, so I had my back to the camera, and I was cutting a promo. And I must have been talking for two minutes or so. They were they would want me to put some time in, so I was doing it with my back to the camera, Ultimate Warrior style. And by the time I turned around, I was so far into the promo, by the time I turned around, the first thing I saw was Flash behind the cameraman mooning me. <laughs> And there I am, you know, a couple of minutes deep into this promo, obviously don't want to recut this promo, but I can't start laughing. <laughs> and Flash has his butt, his bare butt, almost right in my face as I turn around and I had to finish that promo. And I think I died when it was over with. I could have killed him for that. But we had a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, we, <laughs> and you know, you talk about being in that locker room. Um, you talk about being in that locker room. Uh, the the front area was really hot. The back area was really hot. And I remember we used to oh. try to open up the back door, which was also the front door. Uh, and we were like yeah. trying to just get some air. And you'd always hear Derek, "Would you guys, would you please just shut the door?" <laughs> you know, it's like, <clears throat> oh man, we're dying back here. I got to tell the story if you're not going to. All right, go ahead. There was one time we cut the fan off. <laughs> I know you remember this. Yep. <laughs> and Alex Crisis, oh my gosh, Alex Crisis had come up with an idea where he was going to shave his pubes, he was going to shave his body hair, he was going to shave his arm hair, everything. He had a whole bag full of nasty man hair in, in a plastic bag. Now tell me if I'm wrong, right? No, Am I no, right or wrong? No, uh, we that's the one Miles Yes. Told. We had Miles on a couple weeks back, and he was talking, and we asked it's him what the best rib was. Disgusting. Yes. The fact that you keep that, the fact uh, that you keep hair clippings in a bag, just screams. That's uh, like uh, Ren and Stimpy when, when you know Ren. No, Stimpy had his uh, nose goblin collection, like he's putting <laughs> well, his boogers underneath there, right? It's something gross like that. Like Alex shaved all his body hair, and he kept it in a bag to play a rib on somebody. Right. And I know that you know you told the story the other day or whatever, but holy no, mo- it, it's like you have to be there. To see just how gross that was. It was like twenty <laughs> minutes of just nothing but hair coming out, and when you thought it was over, there'd be like another like clump of hair that would catch and fall into the fan and just pff, uh, dust out. Well, can uh, you imagine if you would have got pulled over like on the way to the show with that bag full of pubes? <laughs> like his explanation to the officer. Yeah, oh, it's like, well, what, officer, what are you doing? Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, so for anybody that didn't hear the end of the story, so Alex he puts this bag. You know, on the fan, obviously, and you know, wrestlers always have to oil up, and you know, they're pumping up and oiling up. So somebody finally got hot, turns the fan on, and the fan blows the pube hairs all over the guy. Who was it that got it? I wanna. I, I, I'm really hoping, oh. and in my mind, it, it, it's gonna always be this. It's gonna be in my mind, Chris O'Neill, but it wasn't. Oh, hopefully. But, Oh, God, it would have been so awesome. <laughs> it would have been awesome if it was Chris. I love Chris to death, but you know as well as I do, he's back there doing push-ups. Does my right bicep look bigger than my left bicep right now? No, no Chris, your right one looks No, a neither smaller. one of them look good. Yeah, and then he's like, all right, I'm going to do 10 more. And I'm going to, uh, maybe I should put some oil on my tricep right here where the elbow meets. Yeah, right there. Does oh that, no, that's way too shiny, Chris. You need to get your shoulder more. Dang it. 
Oh, I could I could just imagine as he's oiling up Oof. for the fifth time, Alex hits that fan and hair goes everywhere all over him like just tar and feathers him. For me that will live that will live forever. I will never ever forget that rib. That is a rib that I personally would feel terrible doing to somebody. Right. You know. And, and here's my thing and I know I want to get this in. Uh we were talking about ribs. Probably the best Memphis rib was on all the boys and it was that um, that whatever that logo was in the middle of the ring. Oh, <laughs> the, uh, PMG or whatever. PMG, what was it? Whatever it was, it was slicker yeah. than anything ever because you had one wrestler take a bump on it, and it's vinyl, so baby oil is on it, so you had to avoid the middle of the ring as much as you could. So if you go yeah. back and look at some of these Memphis matches from that time period, you can see guys actually taking bumps away from it so they don't slip. Like, that's one of the yeah, things. Yeah, and I've it was peeling up, too. Yeah, it, it was, was peeling, peeling up, up in the center of the ring. You turn it was a sponsor, so they, yeah, they had a big vinyl logo in the center because they had a sponsor. It was paid, obviously. I mean, anybody would do it if it was paid, but it did, you know, pose a problem. You slip on it when somebody's baby oil hit it, it would start peeling up, and yeah, we just had to kind of work around it. Right. <laughs> there was one that we were in. Where was it? It was in Missouri somewhere. And I thought I would never forget the name of it. So but we were in Missouri. in Missouri. Yeah, we, so, well, <laughs> we did the show, and then they uh, somebody owned a bar, so they wanted us to hang out at the bar afterwards. So me and Simon, Bill Street Posse, of course, had T-shirts and everything set up at the bar. And, you know, we're drinking some beer, but we're also selling a ton of gimmicks and meeting a bunch of fans. And when it was time to go, you know, I was, I was totally fine, honestly. I mean, I only had a couple because I was there making some money and – uh, when we pulled out of the parking lot, we got pulled over. And uh, wow. the cop pulled me out of the car. We had a whole car full of people. It was me, Derek King, um, Chris Rocker, and there were a couple other people in the car. So they went, they gave me the breathalyzer and all that kind of stuff. And, I, of course, I was fine, and I was telling them the whole time. They were really nice guys, the cops were, and they were actually wrestling fans. So when we got in the uh, – when he had me in the car and I was ready to go um, – you know, by that time, we'd kind of become friends, and I said, hey, do me a favor. He said, what? I said, go up there and tell them, tell the whole car that you're taking me to jail and that they all need to walk back to Memphis. Now, mind you, we're like four <laughs> or five hours away from Memphis. Right. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the cop car. I'm in the front seat. I'm not in the back seat. I don't think I've ever sat in the back seat of a, of a police car. Right. So I'm watching this, and the cop goes up, and all of a sudden, everybody gets out of the car. They start grabbing their bags. They pull their bags out of the car and everything, and they, they literally think that I'm going to jail and they got to walk back to Memphis. And so, then finally, after all the bags, all the bags are out of the car, and you know they, sh they shut the door and all that kind of stuff, and they I broke the news to them. And I swear, I thought they were all going to beat me up. <laughs> yeah. So they're doing the how, the cop how gave far... me his business card. Uh -huh. <laughs> how far down the road did they get doing the sad, incredible Hulk? Like oh no! It was the first thing that you saw was Derek King get on a cell phone and start making a call to try to get a ride. He wasn't worried about bailing me out. He was worried so about getting shocked. a ride back to Memphis. I'm so shocked, Derek. He's usually so compassionate. Like that. I was like, Derek, you're just gonna leave me here? He's like, gonna have to find a ride. Oh man, that was one of the that was one of the best. But the the cop actually he gave me his business card. He's like, hey man, you guys are fun. Whenever you come back here, be sure to give me a call hit me up you know if you need anything it was just one of those fun things but uh he, he thought he was going to catch some wrestlers 
you know, drunk, leaving the bar and driving, and he didn't, and he just had a little fun with us and, and let us let us roll out. It was a good rip. Got to ask, um, like I said, we were working for a while in Ripley. Everything was going great. I knew that you were you were destined for better things. When you told me sometime, I can't remember what year it was. It was right after my leg break. We, you told me that you had gotten accepted into uh, the developmental. Can you tell us what that was like, how you got the news, what you were feeling, and the whole process of getting into the WWE developmental? Yeah, man, you, you kind of know. You kind of have a good idea. Once you start getting some feelers from them and get a little bit of interest from them, um, and then, you know, it, it just started by doing the extra stuff, man. I was doing extra stuff with WWE back when they were working the pyramid in Memphis. My very first spot ever that I did with them was with Eddie Guerrero and Stone Cold Steve Austin at the bar mugs in uh, Memphis. And there was a big bar scene where, um, I was supposed to take some bumps from Austin and Guerrero and, and, and they changed it on the fly there and we didn't. But at that point, I looked at those guys and thought, all right, I got to do something if I'm going to, if I'm going to make it in this business. And so then I started really hitting the gym, man. And, uh, from there, the Memphis TV helped. I remember one time I was booked as an extra with WWE, just getting an opportunity as far as a tryout and Jerry Lawler found out about it. And so they did something special with me on the Memphis wrestling show, just kind of assuming that I would be, you know, doing something on the WWE show. So that was that was pretty cool. It kind of, you know, just based off of the rumor of me doing stuff, helped me get a push on Memphis TV, too. But there were a couple of matches that I had. Uh, one of them, I remember, where um, just trying to get an opportunity backstage. It was probably, uh, probably 2008, where John Laurinaitis was asking me questions about, uh, what do you have? What does Dustin Starr have that nobody else has? Right. And, you know, just like everybody else, I'm like, oh, I've got heart, I've got passion. He's like, no, 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 no. John Cena has that. Randy Orton has that. All these guys have that. What do you have that nobody else on the WWE roster has? And you know what I told him? I got a pretty cool hairdo, and nobody else has that. <laughs> and you know what? He laughed, and he said, we'll see you tomorrow. And the next day, I had everybody from Arn Anderson to Fitz Finley to Triple H to everybody standing around the ring watching me work out. Yeah, and it always and, goes back uh, to that. There's no in the wrestling business. There can be, but there's very few times that negative or any kind of bad publicity is not good publicity. Whatever you were doing right then, like when when you said that, the publicity you got, all that. Well, you've got to be good. you've got to be memorable. You've right. got to be memorable, and That's, and he remembered that, and that right. helped spark the opportunity right, right. there. Um, I remember there were handshake deals that I drove to Tulsa and back, and, and, and we had a handshake deal that I got signed, and it didn't happen. Wow. So uh, one, of the, one of the deals came up where I did a camp. They asked me to do one of their tryout camps, and I did. That was the one that Jinder Mahal was actually signed, who is now the current WWE champion. Um, uh, and I was actually supposed to kind of have a meeting with Laronitis at that, and uh, uh, Umaga had passed away. So all the decision makers, none of them were there. So I just had bad luck after bad luck. And eventually, um, you know, I showed up one time. And this is this is a funny story. It seems like a long story. I'll give you a short version of it. But I was working for a hockey team in Mississippi. And they kind of did a little special thing for me, a graphic on the big screen saying, congratulations to Dustin Starr. You know, he's going to go to WWE. 
I was booked on the Royal Rumble, the one where Edge had made his uh, triumphant return and won the Royal Rumble that uh, that night. But uh, before that match actually happened, you know, before the night actually started, um, Ty Bailey, who is the um, talent relations director at that time, called me to the side and he said, "Hey, Dustin, you know you don't work for WWE, right?" I said, "I understand that, but I, I would like to work with WWE." And he said, "Well." You're not invading WWE. You realize that, right? And I said, yes, sir. I don't, I don't know who said that. <laughs> so apparently somebody had seen that graphic yes. and told WWE that Dustin Starr was invading. And so uh, Ty Bailey told me, he said, uh, you know, I hope you understand. But, um, you know, I was booked on Raw and SmackDown the next two nights. He said, I don't need you for Raw or SmackDown. I hope you understand. Wow. Yeah, at that oh. point I looked at him and I thought to myself, this is it. I've worked really hard. I've trained really hard. I'm not going to let this, I got to say something. And I said, you know what, Mr. Bailey, I'm sorry, but I don't understand. And I said, here's why you, you told me to go get over. And that's what I'm trying to do. If the, if the hockey team upset you somehow, I can apologize to whoever it was, but they did that because they have my back. You know, they support me. Right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm one of their teammates. And uh, he said, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow, is, is kind of what he said. So the next day I showed up, and um, John Laurinaitis, Johnny Ace, <laughs> he walks by, and I was probably standing hey, 10 Dustin, yards from him. You're going to try to invade us. <laughs> this, time, awesome. this time he said, hey, Dustin. And at first of all, I was like, he knows my name. <laughs> you right. know, I popped. Hey, he knows right. my name. Yes, yes, sir. And he goes, that was some dumb shit you put on the internet. <laughs> and I just, I kind of dropped my head and what can I say, you know? And uh, I didn't put it on the internet. And then I wasn't going to tell him that, though. But then he goes, took a lot of balls to do that. Right. Right. A lot and of it, balls. Wow. And he and here, smirked. He smirked <laughs> and he walked off. And I looked and I, I just looked, I just thought, how in the world did that just work? Right. And so the next day was SmackDown. So I had one last chance, and I really thought that that window was closing. And so at that point, I asked for a meeting. He met with me. I remember K. Quick being there, which is Ron Killings. He right. was there. Um, he's from. He worked here in Memphis, so he had my back. And uh, one of the things that Laronida said was that uh, he sees money in me, and uh, the the divas thought that I was good looking. And that was a that was a feather in my cap too. Right, and right. Uh, at that point, he agreed to sign me. And this time, unlike the last time, I said he said I'll call you on Thursday to work out the details. Is that okay? And I said as long as you call me. And I, I asked him. I said, Is there anything I need to do between now and then? And he said yes. And he said stay off the internet. Yep. I was going to ask. Yes, sir. I was going to ask. And that was it. How quickly did DustinStar.com get closed down after that? ASAP as soon as I didn't have a smartphone at the time but as soon as I got to my laptop brother it was down and I was hidden from social media but literally I went from being thrown out of the Royal Rumble literally thrown out of the Royal Rumble to being signed two three days later wow dude if you could like find the archive is it still up DustinStar.com I don't think so. Oh, if you could find that so. GeoCities page, it, it's all archives. all the uh, archives do live somewhere, but they're not they're not published for anybody to see at this point. If you talk about somebody in their twenties that 
just wanted to look like they were burning a bridge, but just had the look and the talent that just said, I will burn whatever bridge I want to. I'm talented and I'm good looking. That was it. You look at DustinStar.com and you're like, this man does not want a career. He had a POS POS Hall of Fame. A POS Hall of Fame. We can cut all of this out. It was all the worst. (laughs) No. Me me and Hollywood Jimmy. Me and Hollywood Jimmy went back and forth. You remember that. I mean, their site and my site. Me and Jimmy are great friends. He books us. He will not run a wrestling show without booking the power couple now. It was all the work. So question. When (laughs) so (laughs) when you and DCW had the falling out and there was certain Walker brothers that made the POS Hall of Fame at the time, was that a work? Well, that might have been a little bit more of a shoot. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. Like, I loved the site. Like, I loved Wrestling Riot. I loved anybody that was talking about local wrestling because it was getting people's name out there. Kind of like your I've Got Great Hair. I mean, you're getting your name out there. Whether it's heat, I whether it's funny. I have no idea where that came from, man. All I knew is that Tommy Dreamer had told me a couple of days earlier that you know, you look like a great baby face. Your hair is cool. And I don't see anybody else with that style. And it just, I, it was almost like a mullet, faux hawk type of deal or whatever. And nobody was doing it at that time there. And so I guess it just hit me that, that Tommy Dreamer had just told me that. And when he when they asked me that question, what else do I have? What, what do I have that John Cena doesn't have? You know? Right, right. It's a cool hairdo, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked. I guess it's pretty good. It's not a hard type, but uh, it's pretty good. Now, um, you were in FCW, right? So they got you there. They got this great talent, and they immediately – I don't know immediately because I didn't get their TV or anything, but they put you in as a referee. And in my mind, I'm thinking they are wasting talent here and putting them as a referee. So you you do the referee gimmick for a little while, and I think you were there for a good little while. But I remember you came back, and about – I want to say it was six weeks, maybe six months. It all kind of blends together. I got pissed off because they're doing that Brad Maddox gimmick. And I'm like, this guy is like a C version. No offense to Brad Maddox. He seems like a nice guy. I I loved him in the page videos. But he seemed like a a very nice guy. I mean, very, very sharing, I guess you could say. Sharing. Sharing is caring. But my thing was, it was like, in my opinion, he was a C-level Dustin star. And if you wanted somebody in that in that role, and I know you've probably heard that before. If you wanted somebody in that role, why in the heck are you letting Dustin Starr go and you're putting him in that spot? Why not put Dustin in that spot and he's going to get more over than Brad Maddox did in that whole situation? In my opinion, I think they dropped the ball on you. How pissed off were you when you saw the Brad Maddox thing go down? Well, the okay, so I, I bought in because of my height at my size, they thought that my longevity would come doing things other than wrestling. So when I when I signed, it was to be referee, ring announcer, and broadcaster. So obviously, my two main things would be ring announcing and broadcasting. That's what I want to do, and especially right now, that's what I want to do is broadcasting. But when they, you know, they sold me the idea of the refereeing and the experience that I had, I really, honestly, and this is not me being cocky or conceited, I could work circles around most of the guys they had there. There was right. absolutely no question about it because a lot of them were green and new and they had no experience. They were trying to teach them or I helped teach Roman Reigns how to lock up. 
Right. Now, there might be some people that are going to hate that. Oh, you didn't train Roman Reigns. No, I did not train Roman Reigns. But me and may, Roman are they may practiced hate you for locking it. up. Or they may hate yeah, you I for mean, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you know, that's that was Big E. Big E was brand new in the business when he got there. I remember locking up and working out with him. You know, it's one of those things. So I have bought into the fact that I would have more longevity and I would be there a long time doing all the other stuff other than wrestling. So I was right. fine with that. Um and, I, you know, I wasn't really hot about the Brad Maddox thing. I'm like you. I just think that it was a, the ball was dropped. That was a spot that I thought could possibly be mine. But you know how the business works. They might not have ever, ever thought of that until, you know, the week before they put right. Brad Maddox in that situation. But that could easily have been a spot, you know, for me. But I'm much happier being back in Memphis. And I get a lot of people ask me, especially my son. He's nine. And he knows I worked with WWE. And he wants me back there. I don't want to leave him, first of all. And second right. of all, I'm in, on TV every single day in Memphis. I have a radio program that I do with Kevin Cerrito every Saturday on Sports 56 WHBQ from guess what time? From same same uh, same time slot as Memphis Wrestling was back in the day. We go from 11 to 12 every right. uh, Saturday. We talk Memphis Wrestling. And uh, I'm a part of a bunch of different events and work with my wife on all these things every single day. So... Um, I wasn't really mad, and a lot of people say, hey, you were at developmental when Gender was there. He's the WWE champion. Are you mad about that? I don't, I'm happy for him. I'm not right. mad about that because I'm able to do all the things that I want to do. USP Labs, two-time Mr. Tennessee, all the stuff I want to do, I can do right here in Memphis and not have to worry about all those contractual obligations or things that I can and can't do. So I'm cool, man. I'm totally cool. Right. And every once in a while, we can pick up a Sister Hazel concert together. There you go. I love it. I'm a hazelnut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one piece of advice you gave me, and I remember uh, at the time I was on the outs with some of the guys in Memphis Wrestling, and you told me, you said, hey, man, listen, uh, because we were working in Ripley before Memphis, and you said, hey, man, listen, uh, heat doesn't last forever. Okay. There's no right. such thing as permanent heat. And that was one of those things that always stuck in my head. Um, what is some advice that you have gotten throughout the career that you've had? Like whether it be from I think we've all gotten advice from Dell. We've all we've our spellbinder. We've all gotten advice from guys like Bill, Lawler, uh, Jarrett, whoever we have come in contact with, they've said something that's went into our head, stayed there and later on regurgitated to younger guys. What's some of the best advice you have gotten and some that you have given to upcoming talent? Well, being in the WWE developmental, I got some firsthand advice from Steve Kern, who was one of the fabulous ones in Memphis and then also ran the developmental territory for Florida Championship Wrestling, WWE. And then also my favorite coach of all time, Dr. Tom Pritchard. He gave me some really good advice, especially knowing that I'm from Memphis um, but it just seems like, hey, they called me Memphis. Those guys worked in Memphis. They know. So one of the things that they told me, and I think everybody could uh, relate to, is you know every now and then you have to eat a shit sandwich. <laughs> you might not like right. it. It might not taste good. And I, you know I usually don't use a lot of bad language, but no, you're good. Um, might not taste good. You might not like it. But every now and then, everybody has to eat a shit sandwich. So just eat it. Keep a smile on your face and then wait for the next opportunity. 
Um, it's not always going to be perfect, man. It's really not. And you're going to have all sorts of struggles, trials, and tribulations, but uh, especially in wrestling, because if you don't eat that shit sandwich with a smile on your face and you complain about it, guess what? Yep. It's going to be a lot worse for you because they know it bothers you and yep. they're going to weigh you down on it. Yep. So that would be the best. That's the absolute best advice that I could give is keep your mouth shut, do what you're told, and you know what? Enjoy a shit sandwich every now and then because it happens to everybody. Right. Uh, I know we're going to have to wrap up pretty soon. And No, no, no. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. We, I'll we come back it. anytime you guys want. Huh? Come on. I'm almost done. Come on. I'm trying to wake Maria up now. Oh, sorry. So She fell asleep. <laughs> most people do when they listen to our podcast. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but... All right, Dustin, uh, man, we're not going to hold you up all night. I said it before, you're everywhere in Memphis in this area. Yeah, so yeah, all you have to do is turn on CW30 Memphis. And uh, me and my Maria, we're the CW30 stars. We actually host the network. So we introduce the new shows coming up and let you know about what's premiering coming up this, this season or whatever. And then they actually have us out doing special events. So uh, we've been at uh, Cooper Young Fest. Best Memphis Burger Festival. We're going to do a whole lot of stuff. We're at a Gold Strike Casino shooting a commercial for them that's airing right now. So just turn on CW30 and you'll see us. We're on TV all day, every day. And um, every Saturday on Sports 56 WHBQ Memphis, you can hear Cerrito Live where we have our wrestling hour. And uh, we talk to, I mean, you name it. We've had everybody from Jerry Lawler, Jimmy Hart, Bret Hart, um, Scott Steiner, Scott Hall, Rikishi, uh, golly, man, you name it, and we've had them on there. I mean, for years and years we've done that, and so that's from um, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. every single Saturday. If you go to CerritoLive.com, that's C-E-R-R-I-T-O, live.com, or wherever you get your podcast, you can go ahead and subscribe so you make sure that you never miss an episode. Uh, we've got a big Lance Russell special coming up because Wildfire Wrestling is going to do a show on October 19th on Beale Street where you're going to have the main event, Jerry the King Lawler versus Buff Bagwell, which, as you might know, they had a big feud going on with the Grizzlies wrestling night last year. So they're going to um, piggyback off that and have that return match. And uh, we'll be a part of that at Handy Park on Beale Street. But then also, you know, Grizzlies season, Memphis Grizzlies season, is tipping off on October 18th at FedEx Forum, and I'm back for my second season being the in, in-game MC for the Grizzlies. Right. So that's a lot of fun. It'll keep us busy. But you can uh, follow me at on, on Twitter or Instagram or on Facebook at Dustin Star. that's Star with two R's, or you can follow my Maria at the Maria Star, and be sure to like us on Facebook. And CW30 Memphis is a good page to like, too, because you'll see all of our stuff on there. So yeah, man, we're we're getting around. Yeah, I mean the fact that that the fact that that plug took at least three minutes should tell you something. You're everywhere, man. I mean you're and, <laughs> yeah, and, hey, that's, and that's not me joking. No, I mean you that's are for real. everywhere. That's for real. And, and whoever they bring in for the announcer for the Grizzlies game is going to be my Brad Maddox. I feel. There you go. Well, they just uh, I started working with Marcus the other day. We had his first game. Marcus, I mean it's hard to beat Marcus, dude. Yeah. He had a uh, he's got like that cop's voice. Like he's got that. Uh, what, who, what, what, who am I looking for? Um, dang, give me, give me, give me some names. With Grizzly that Adams. Boys. Yeah, Dean whatever. Hill, you got that. Yes. T.D. Steele. I don't know about T.D. Steele. I don't know about his voice. No, man, I'm just joking. But hey, if anything else, it makes me work harder, right? 
There you go. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, man, uh, it's great talking to you. We're going to have to do this again. I'm not going to hold you up anymore. Tell Maria, I said, hey, I don't think I've spoken to her since I met her the night that you introduced me to her when y'all started dating. Tell her I said, hey, and I'm sorry I didn't heard what she was getting in for. Uh, but man, <laughs> thank you for coming on. Uh, we appreciate it so much. We're going to plug the crap out of this. Dude, you're killing it out there, and I, I couldn't be prouder of, to call you a friend, man. Thank you for doing this, and just keep doing what you're doing, man. And I appreciate it. You guys do the same thing. If you ever need anything, let me know, and uh, I'll see you soon, brother. Well, that song means we are absolutely all out of time. We'd like to thank everybody for listening to today's episode. And please join us on Facebook at Pop Poncho. Or text or call us at 731-300-MORE. That's 731-300-6675. Well, thanks once again. And for Josh Briley, I am Richard Mulligan saying thanks and good night.